When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You always have to put the organization first. You set the parameters of what you're looking for. And we knew exactly what we were looking for. And once we felt we got to that point where the offers met what some of the things that we were looking for, then we decided, okay, now it's time. All right, what are, what are those poll results at right now? Oh, they're flying the, in fast. The yeah. Mackey and Judd... Uh, hypothetical. Well, is it a hypothetical? It's a hypothetical. Or is it... Reckless speculation! It would be reckless speculation if we got a hint that a sale might be coming, and then we, we went here. But right now, it's the Mackie and Judd 1500 ESPN Twitter hypothetical poll of the day. Reckless speculation! Glenn Taylor sells the Wolves to a competent ownership group, and there's a 50-50 chance they move the club. But if they don't do so, the Twin Cities area gets a Wolves team with a competent ownership group. Do you roll the dice, flip the coin, and take that chance? 62% of the respondents so far to the various precincts of this poll say yes. I roll the dice, too. We now, all have. In fairness, some of the 62%, I bet you almost a, almost half of the 62% have just been done with the Wolves and don't care one way or the other if they move or stay and don't care if Glenn Taylor's the owner or somebody else. Because I think there are a lot of people who have given up on the Wolves long ago and uh, wonder why we even bother anymore. But So you're telling me you can you you get a new ownership group and you're guaranteed that that new ownership group is awesome Correct. and that and that the franchise is going to be making good decisions and hiring good people and there's not going to be drama and you're going to be in contention on a regular basis, right? Correct. But there's a 50-50 chance that they move to a different city. Seattle, for instance. Okay. I still roll the dice. I as a I poker player, I flip that coin. Manny did. Yeah. He loves this team. <laughs> so if he if he rolls the dice, then I think everybody basically does. But see, the part of it though with me too, Judd, is that I'm also rolling the dice because I've been a huge advocate for bringing the Seattle Sonics back to the NBA. <laughs> okay. So if they move to Seattle, it would it would be gut wrenching. But okay, I guess they, if there's no, a consolation, move, it's like, well, the Sonics are back. They moved to Albuquerque. Then yeah, you're still you're doing playing with my emotions, Phil. You're playing with my emotions. They, they moved to Birmingham. <laughs> you would still do it. You know you would. It's worth taking the chance but that if, you could get a you could get a meant, team that's decent. Yeah, if it meant that it would bring in much better ownership and competent ownership, yeah. and that it would a, a culture and a, a winning 
formula would be established within the organization, then yeah, I probably would See, do it. See, you know how I love to tie things into gambling and poker on this show? Because it's, uh, it's been part of my life in the past. So there's a, there's a concept in poker called, in poker tournaments called coin flips, where you get all the money in before the community cards are turned over with good hands. But you like if I have ace-king and you have a pocket pair of tens, uh, that's a 50-50 chance for you or me, and we just see what the cards float out there. So you'll see in these tournaments, oftentimes in order to win one, you got to put a bunch of chips in the middle, and you hope to win a coin flip so that you can become a chip leader and then dominate the rest of the table, right? I think, you know what, I think we need to make a petition happen for the Timberwolves. We're never going to get the change we want if ownership stays the same, Okay. So I think we need a coin flip. And we'll even put it on the table. Listen, Seattle, whatever market, what's the next market next to Seattle? Vegas? Vegas, yeah, probably. Vegas has a WNBA team, and they're going to get an NFL team. We will put a 50-50 coin flip on. You can, you can move this franchise wherever you want. Competent ownership, you can move it wherever you want, but it's got to be a coin flip. We all sign it. If you get San Antonio Spurs-like ownership in here, or you get... You know, what's another what's another franchise that's not the Lakers that has good ownership? Golden State. The Golden State. We get Golden State like ownership here. Well, the Clippers and, do and now, risk fifty right? fifty moving Boston. the franchise. Balmer, yeah. right? Clippers? Yeah, he's do we know if he's a good owner yet or is he just really enthusiastic and I think so far I think he's okay. I think so far he's just not you know Donald Sterling, so that's been I'll a take, plus for them. I'll take okay. Yeah. Right now I'll take okay. <laughs> I mean I was before I came in here. I was just thinking about the last 20 years of Wolves history and how lucky and fortunate we are here and, and how lucky and fortunate the organization is to stumble into the great top-end talent. Because, it, hey, this franchise's embarrassment and stumbling all over itself is not for lack of top-end talent. We're talking almost 15 years of one of the greatest players of all time in Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. Kevin Love... Not a tier one player, but like kind of flirted with tier one before some of the injuries. And I mean, Kevin Love was a really, really good player for several years here, seven years in a Timberwolves uniform. And then you get arguably two top 20 players on the same team for a year, Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. So all of those players added up, okay? One deep playoff run in a league in which more than half the teams make the playoffs. So you could, I, I was making a list of, franchises in the NBA the last 20 or 25 years that would gladly trade places with the Timberwolves in terms of top-end talent. That if you said, all right, Washington Wizards, over a 20-year stretch, you're going to get Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love, you're going to get Jimmy Butler, at least you're going to get your hands on him anyways, Jimmy Butler, and you're going to get Carl Anthony Towns. And that doesn't even count like what a different organization would have done with Andrew Wiggins or with Ricky Rubio, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I would say the Hornets, the Pacers, the Wizards, the Nuggets, the Nets, the Hawks, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Knicks, and maybe other teams would trade places in terms of top-end talent with the Wolves the last 20 years. And backtrack there, too, and think about how the relationship with a majority of top-end, top-tier players that you named has come to its end. They're all on non-speaking terms, except for Cat, who has no choice. To the point where Garnett, the best player easily in franchise history, won't come here and won't talk to the guy who owns the team. Yeah. I just do, think about that. I do wonder though if you're like a Knicks fan, if you would almost almost trade ownership as well. Because James Dolan's been a 
pretty bad owner for the New York Knicks for a long time. Maybe that's the next poll question. Would you rather have Glenn Taylor or James James Dolan looking if, to be a rock star as your owner? If there is a team owner in the NBA that may that you could make a case for that's been worse than Glenn, it's probably been James and Dolan. Do, and I think Dolan's a bigger jerk, too. Mm-hmm. Well, Glenn's not a jerk. Dolan's a jerk. Dolan probably is number one on that list just because there's a lot of players who would actually love to play for the New York Knicks if it wasn't for how dysfunctional they were. That if it was just a franchise that was kind of stumbling around a little bit, Players would for sure sign up. Like LeBron James probably would have played for the Knicks at some point when he was bouncing around different teams if James Dolan wasn't the owner. I think Dan Gilbert might have something to say for most dysfunctional owner in the NBA. That's a good one. Right now, yeah. 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 And it's hard to tell because... Stands on his website for four years. Yeah. Hey, hey, come on. That was outstanding. (laughs) You'll never win. But, you know, the thing about Dan Gilbert, though, and, and not that it's to his credit, but he has a championship... I mean, Dan, Dan Gilbert does have a champion, but it's a bigger indictment that he also had, what, 12 years of LeBron James and only Ar- has one arguably championship? Arguably the greatest player to ever lace him up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and only, only has. has one championship. But again, Glenn Taylor, when did he take ownership here? 1994? 94, yeah. So that's... He saved them. That's yeah. a, that's a They're going to move to New Orleans. That's a quarter century. A quarter century. And for almost that entire period, because they drafted Kevin Garnett in 1995, almost that entire period, he's had... On his team at one point, or with one player or another, he's had one of the top 10 players in the NBA, if not one of the, if not the best player in the NBA. Because Kevin Garnett was a top five player for over a decade. Mm-hmm. I, Jimmy Butler is a top 15, and you have two playoff series wins over that stretch. I just don't understand how, for all of these years, you have swung and missed and generally whiffed on finding somebody competent to run this business. Like everything else you've done, seemingly as a businessman, you have found somebody competent to run that business, and because of that, you're a billionaire. So how do you how do you spend from 1994 to 2018, for the most part, continually whiffing on on the one thing that you do that's incredibly public, which is own the NBA team? Well, that's a rhetorical question because there is obviously no answer. There's no, but it's a, just... but it's amazing. But it's it's absolutely amazing that at some point in time. You didn't find, and and perhaps Flip was that guy, and his uh, passing is tragic. But it is incredible when you think about all of the swings and misses that this guy has had that he, time after time, can't find the the right guy. I I heard a story from a guy last night uh, who told me that, that when Jim Peterson showed up at a basketball game, an executive, a former NBA executive, and, and the story didn't come from Jim, but a former NBA executive or coach came up to him and said, "You just wait. You are going to rue the day this team fired or hired Tibbs." And he's like, "Why? What? You know?" Because we all, this is at the beginning of this the, is at the beginning of the Tibbs era. And and at the time, he's like, "Why?" And we all thought, "Oh, you know, this it's fine. It's good. It's going, going to be fine." Tibbs has done a lot of things uh, and been around for a long time. And he said, "You just wait." You said he it's going to be a mess. Was this and like he completely called it? Was this like in those Jason movies where like the old guy pops out of the bushes and is like, "Oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> I was old camp blood, yeah. yes. oh, dude, yes." You know what? He's got the bike. He's on the bicycle. <laughs> and yes, that's exactly what. It, yes, that might be right. Oh my gosh! I was telling Danny Cunningham uh, just down the hallway here before jumping on with you guys. The more I think about this trade, so I'm certain they could have gotten more. If they had pulled the trigger, like with the draft coming up, because that, that's when teams start to get 
really excited to land a star player and leverage draft assets. Like, could they have gotten two rotation players and a draft pick right. for a full year of Jimmy Butler? Um, so I, so I'll preface this by saying they could have gotten more if they had done what they should have done, which is trade him back in May or June. But the more I think about this, considering the circumstances and considering this game of chicken they were playing, this is a pretty nice haul. I mean, I, I don't trust Tom Thibodeau to necessarily squeeze everything out of this group, you know, compared to like a Brad Stevens or somebody. Well, you shouldn't. Uh, but in terms of what they got back for a guy who could have pulled the plug, Jimmy Butler could have either on his own pulled the plug on this thing and sat out, and now your leverage is gone, mm-hmm. or his knee could have gone. Right, he's injured all the time. The guy never plays a full season, and so you you went into the season and played a month's worth of chicken and still wound up with a a guy in Dario Saric who has a ton of upside, shoots threes, he's seven feet tall. And Covington, who is just a really good, solid rotation player. I, I like this trade the more I think about it you, the last couple of days. You played Butler 41 minutes on Friday night knowing no. that on Saturday. Think about that for a second. Like you played such That's an unnecessary game of chicken. It's absurd. Doogie said, Doogie said the Heat deal with Richardson in it was Richardson, Olenek, and a protected one. For Jimmy Butler, that deal was gone by Saturday, but that was the proposed deal. And he said, "What was the deal again?" It was it was Richardson and Olenek, Olenek and a protected and one. That's a that's a better deal. And and mm-hmm. that deal was gone by Saturday, but when when that deal blew up, it turns out here's why: the Wolves said, "We'll do it. Give us five million dollars as well." Hmm. You can do that in the NBA. You can just cash can trade. Okay, cash considerations. Yeah. And the and mm-hmm. that ended it. And it's like that's and is that cap cash? Or is I it just I, I, I'm, that part I don't know, but yeah, I mean, because you hear about trades like you know so and so gets moved for a second round pick and cash considerations or whatever. But wouldn't you have taken those three things, the two players and the pick? Absolutely, I, oh for sure, yeah. And you could avoid, Absolutely. but that that trade would have come at a time when it would have been, I think, as the season was beginning, and you could have avoided this fifteen game debacle. Yeah. But as Glenn Taylor said in the quotes that you guys are reading from The Athletic earlier in the show, I mean, he, instead of just coming in and setting a tone as an owner and saying, no, I this this isn't how we're going to do this, he trusted Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden to get into the season 10, 12 games. Let's see if we can win some games and see if Coach can, like, man. So And even now, it feels like, that's what Glenn is doing. Like, well, let's see if with Tibbs, it's just like, well, let's see if he can turn this around. And it's like, no. And they're probably better off missing the playoffs and getting a lottery pick and trying to hit on because they need another star. That's Co- not expensive. Yeah, right. Because Covington Wiggins is expensive and not a star. Right. Covington's a nice player. Sharrett is a nice player with upside, but they need another. They need like an RJ Barrett or a Zion Williamson really bad. This would be forward. the if, if they missed the playoffs, but they were like, let's say 12th in the lottery rankings. It would it would be justice if finally they came from way back in the pack and got the 1% chance and landed mm-hmm. Zion Williams or something. Uh, it's Mackie and Judd in the TCL broadcast. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, let's check your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Let's head up to the northwest portion of the Metro, ninety-four westbound. We've got a crash near Brooklyn Center. That's uh, between Brooklyn Boulevard and Zane Avenue, causing about a four-minute delay there. Also, sixty-two eastbound. We still have that crash in Edina between two twelve. And Gleason Road to prepare for an extra nine minutes there, gentlemen. Must be a big game. Did you guys miss me? 
Nine, nine days I haven't talked to you? I thought about you a lot. There's been times he's had some pre-runners. You know, it looks like they're telling him, hey, you got to get the ball out. He gets the ball out with accuracy. There's other times when he looks like Fran Tarkington scrambling. You know, some of the runs he made are unbelievable. You know, and they're obviously using him in a bunch of different ways. I think the command of the offense is probably his biggest thing. You know, he's, he's being able to go through uh, progressions more now. You know, when they're in their no huddle, they're telling him, you know, what plays to call and things like that. So, you know, it's a little bit of that style. See, this is where that Bills loss really, because unlike college football where you can lose a bunch of non-conference games like Northwestern and just do really well in conference and you're fine, you go to the you get to go get slaughtered by Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, that loss against the Bills, even though it's not in your division, it's not even in your conference, but that doesn't matter. If you finish one loss behind the Chicago Bears and have a better division record, they still win the division, which is correct, which is interesting. Um, and so if you don't, I think the Vikings are better than the Bears, but if you don't win this game, it's really hard to get to 10 wins if you're the Vikings with this schedule with Tom Brady on it and Russell Wilson on the road and Aaron Rodgers in another game against Chicago. The Bears, meanwhile, who have rolled off three straight wins, they're six and three. If they beat the Vikings at Soldier Field this weekend, they only need three more wins to get to 10 and six. And they've got games against Detroit, the New York Giants. The San Francisco 49ers, uh, they do still have to play Green Bay, the Rams, and uh, also the Vikings again in Week 17. But the path to 10 wins becomes very clear for the Bears if the Vikings don't take care of business on the road. Prime time. And the Vikings have won two of the past three in Chicago, but since 2000, they are 4-14 and there. So, How much do you think that matters? Like What happened in the early 2000s? I mean, some of it is indoor team, going on the road, different environment. It's a tough place to play, I think. I, I think it's just a tough place. And and you you could say, well, they've come back to win two of the past three, so that changes changes that. But I think it's going to be tough. And listen, if the Bears, I keep saying this, but if the Bears hadn't got Khalil Mack, I think the Bears would be an ascending team and a good team. But I don't think they would be this big a concern. But the day that the Raiders gifted them Khalil Mack changed the entire dynamic because that defense went from being pretty damn good to being damn good. Yeah, this has always been every time they've popped up. Going back to the hell, going back to the Dick Butkus era. <laughs> it's all, and now they, you know, Walter Payton gave him some <laughs> Even offense. I don't recall that one. And Gail Sayers gave him some offense, but it's never been offense, 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 and see what you can do on defense for the Bears. Sid Luckman. <laughs> Their last great quarterback, right? Because they, they all said, well, we got Jay Cutler now. We can finally forget yeah. Sid Luckman. No. No, but, that's true. You're but right. they've, you know, the Vikings have had different ways of winning in their history, right? They, it was a lot of defense in the Purple People Eater era. Uh, and then it was a lot of defense even in the late 80s at the Metrodome. Burnsy, when, yeah. Yep, when they were, when they upset the San Francisco 49ers. But then it turned to a ton of historical offense in the late 90s and offense with Brett Favre and but then it kind of shifted back to defense and the Mike Zimmer era. So the Vikings have shown in different parts of their team's history for 50-plus years they can win in different ways. The Bears haven't. The Bears win in one fashion and one fashion yeah, only. Smash mouth. Great linebackers yep. and defense. Football. Yes. They win with football. Hold on. I'll try that again. I wasn't on the right page. Bears win with football. Football! Football, yeah! yeah, yeah. Right. Football! Football! Yeah. Get but you know what the Bears got problems with, gentlemen? You know what their problem is right now, and Vikings fans are going to find this to be absolutely delicious? The Bears kicker is a young man by the name of Cody Parkey. He missed two field goals and two extra points on Sunday 
in their win against Detroit, hitting an upright on all four attempts. That's amazing. They got kicking problems. They've well, got they've got the problem that the Vikings have been fighting for so long now. They got it, and it's much worse. Or was he bored and super accurate? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of two things. You know, I was just, you know what? Forget about making the kicks. I think I'll just doink it off of the yeah. hundred bucks. Every said time. I can do it four times today. No way, Cody. You can't do that. Yeah, I can. I can Watch. also I can also hit the crossbar exactly from fifty-seven yards. Watch this. It's incredible. Didn't he used to kick for the Eagles? Yes, he did. Kicked for, I feel like I had him on a fantasy team one time or something. <laughs> yes, I think you I lo- did too. Yes, you losers. He kicked for the Eagles in Cleveland Actually, as well. Was he the guy? Was Cody Parkey the guy? It's a great name. This is such one. a self indulgent story, but there's a Hubbard TV fantasy football league that you were in one year. Yeah. You split a team with our GM, I think. Yeah, right? I did. I did. And then you backed out of the league after that. But oh yeah, no, I quit. It's the Chris Long uh, Hubbard TV league, and I'm and so you. I don't remember what the scenario was. I just know that. In the championship matchup uh-huh. in December, uh-huh. and I'm in the championship, I think, against Doogie, and I'm pretty sure Cody Parkey was the kicker for the Eagles, and I only needed, like, five points from my kicker, but there was a snow game of some kind where it was so snowy, there was, like, a foot of snow all up and down the field mm-hmm. that both teams just abandoned the kicking game altogether, including extra points. So instead of so the Eagles scored like thirty five points in the game, but they went for two every single touchdown and just left Cody Parkey on the bench and cost you. Manny's a steel trap. Do you remember that game where they just didn't even kick extra points because it was so snowy? What year it's like was this? Five years ago or something. Co- uh, Cody Parkey broke into the National Football League in two thousand fourteen mm. with Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, it was totally Cody three, Parkey. Three games in fifteen with Philadelphia. He must have got hurt, and then he spent sixteen two thousand sixteen with Cleveland. 2017 with Miami and signed a free agent deal yeah. with the Bears for 2018. And this year he is extra points. He is 30 of 32. I'll tell you what, though, about Dan Bailey. So considering the Vikings statistically and historically landed the second most accurate kicker in the NFL, mm-hmm. I don't feel too good about him either because he's stoinked a couple. He's had a couple little chip shots missed, and hasn't he missed at least one extra point? Yeah, he did. I think two extra points maybe. So I mean, you, you got to bring that up. I guess that's fine. But I was trying to, to f- focus on the problems of Cody Parkey. Well, I'm just saying that that's not the only kicker <laughs> that we should worry about this weekend. Wait and maybe Ryan Longwell has a point from a few weeks ago on this show that the Vikings special teams coordinator seems to be the common denominator. Maybe making kickers Mike nervous. Prefer? Yeah, I don't know. You might be right. Yeah. I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna comment on Mike Prefer at all. No, no. go ahead. It's an open forum. No, you... no. I'm just, I, was, I was gonna make a island joke, but oh, I'm Phil's not... done that a thousand times. Go right ahead. Yeah. Let, me, let me tee you up. If you could send Glenn Taylor anywhere, Manny, and do anything to him, what would you do? That was Phil Mackey. I don't want to send Glenn to an island. I just don't want him to own the wolves hey, anymore. Certainly don't want to nuke him anyways. No. <laughs> Jonathan. Uh, we're going to come wow. back, and we're going to size up the Chicago Bears with our friend Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune. And the official football hour, trademarked, is coming around here in about a half hour with Matthew Collar, Rich Gannon, and plenty more. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Here's the snap to Trubisky. Nice clean pocket. Going deep for Allen Robinson. Over the shoulder. Making it a catch. Touchdown. Touchdown, Bears. What a throw. 
by Mitch Trubisky. There's been times he's had some free runners. You know, it looks like they're telling him, hey, you got to get the ball out. He gets the ball out with accuracy. There's other times when he looks like Fran Tarkington scrambling. You know, some of the runs he made are unbelievable. You know, and they're obviously using him in a bunch of different ways. I think the command of the offense is probably his biggest thing. You know, he's, he's being able to go through uh, progressions more now. You know, when they're in their no huddle, they're telling him, you know, what plays to call and things like that. So, you know, it's a little bit of that style. And of the Fran Tarkenton comp. From it's a combination, there, combination of Montana, Steve yeah. Young, Tarkington, <laughs> Namath in his heyday. Sort of like that I mean, kind of guy. Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune, who's been a, a guest off and on on the show for a number of years. Would you say it's more like early career uh, Fran Tarkenton or prime career Fran Tarkenton for Mitch Trubisky? Well, uh, I don't. Uh, I'm not necessarily old enough to recall Fran Tarkenton uh, playing, guys. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I do know uh, some of the assets that he had during a uh, Hall of Fame career. And, and Mitch uh, is a completely different quarterback than I think the Vikings saw in the regular season finale last year up at. Uh, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium, he's, he's in a different system. They're using him a lot differently. He's got uh, just a whole host of new weapons around him that were not on this roster a year ago. And uh, the Bears are scoring points in bunches the last uh, month, month and a half, guys. It's, it's been impressive to see how they've developed and grown uh, throughout this season. Hey, Brad, how, how good is this team right now? And, and also, how much did the acquisition of Khalil Mack accelerate uh, the growth or improvement of, of this team from being a team that was ascending to being a team that's pretty darn good right now? Yeah, I, how good they are, I think, is a, is a question that uh, even hardcore uh, Kool-Aid-drinking uh, Bears fans have, at least in the back of their mind right now, because really haven't, you know, beaten anybody yet. They've uh, taken advantage of their schedule to date. Uh, They've played well, but this is a a pretty good Vikings team that's certainly been playing much better uh, in the last month. Uh, So the Bears ought to have a better indication of where they're at this year in terms of – the addition of Mac, yeah, the, the Bears were trending up, I think, going into this season. The Bears had a, uh, a pretty good defense a year ago, although one that uh, certainly wasn't opportunistic. They didn't get a lot of takeaways last year or even in the John Fox era at any point, and they're getting uh, a lot of takeaways now. They've either got 22 or 23 takeaways on the season, uh, to this point, which is more than they had all of last season. Uh, what goes into that? Well, when you can pressure the quarterback more, uh, you're going to get more takeaways. And when you play with a lead more, you're, you're going to put yourself in position for more takeaways too because the other team has got to play catch-up. And so the Bears have uh, done a better job of getting after the passer this year. They had uh, six sacks of Matthew Stafford. Uh, this past Sunday, not quite the uh, 10 that the Vikings had two weekends ago against Detroit. Uh, so, they've, But they've gotten after the quarterback better, and then they've built big leads, which have forced the opponent to uh, 
to go pass heavy and put them in position to make plays. You know, they had an early 26-point lead on uh, the Lions this past week, guys. Yeah. Uh, Brad Biggs is with us here from the Chicago Tribune. Bears-Vikings flex to primetime this weekend, and that means Vikings vent line will be later in the night, but it will still be available right after the final whistle blows. I think when we start, when if, if you start to, just off the top of your head around the league, young coaches who are making an impact in the NFL right now, head coaches, and Sean McVay is number one on that list, and uh, Kyle Shanahan comes to mind for a lot of people. But Matt Nagy is off to a really interesting, compelling start here. What what he's been able to do with Mitch Trubisky and that offense is averaging, as you mentioned, uh, the fifth most points per game in the NFL so far. How would you characterize the job he's doing so far? What kind of light can you shed on him? Well, he's done a real good job. I mean, you know, they've uh, they've bought in, and, and you sensed sort of a, a change in energy in the building and. Uh, it, you know, just a it was just a fresh start. He came in and he replaced John Fox, and they had to do a lot of um, roster overhauling under Fox. Uh, some of those moves, which worked better uh, than others, uh, and then they they hit in free agency some this year. They they've been quite active in free agency under Fox, but spent a lot of money on guys and didn't necessarily get uh, ample return on those investments and players they've brought in this year in free agency, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, uh, Trey Burton have, have played well. And then they swing that really unique move to get Khalil Mack, probably uh, more a result of the Raiders dysfunction and, and inability to get him to sign a contract in any you know stroke of genius by the bears there. But uh, Hey, they're the team that was able to get the deal done and there were certainly other teams that were interested in making that move with the Raiders. So credit to the front office and, and a huge help to uh, to Matt Nagy and his staff. Bigsy, how uh, checked out was John Fox? That that thing always felt weird to, to me because he was certainly a good coach at one point. But by the end there, how checked out did it feel like he was? Well, I, I don't know if checked out is how I would describe it. You know, I... They, listen, they had a situation where they were entering year three for the coaches, and they were clearly in a spot where they needed to win, and they had the third pick in the draft, and what do they do? Well, they trade up to the second pick to draft a quarterback, and that's not always the kind of move that's going to help the coaches win right away. Now, neither is spending – $18 million for one year on Mike Glennon to play quarterback. But I think, you know, you looked at that move and, and the coaches were maybe thinking one thing and the front office was thinking another thing. So you've got them at least on slightly different pages uh, before that final season uh, even begins. So, I, you know, you can't pin all that on Fox. The general managers get the same record. Uh, is the head coach Fox in, in that span as well? Yeah. Uh, so we we're, we're looking at this game here, and I, I mean, I think the Vikings are better than the Bears, but I think the Bears win this. This is kind of a coin flip game, and it's it's in a spot where the Vikings traditionally don't play very well. If the Bears win this game and they get to seven and three, 
and they still have games against Detroit, the New York Giants, the the 49ers, and then they do have home games against uh, the Rams and the Packers. But, I mean, you can see a pretty clear path to a 10-6 and six record if the Bears can pull this off. So I don't want to say this is for the division because the Packers are still in the mix and there's still season to play. But uh, this is going to be a really, really big game. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if the Bears win this game, they've got a real nice cushion uh, on the Vikings. A, a real nice cushion. And the Bears, if I looked at it this past week, guys, going into this past weekend when the Vikings were obviously off and the Bears were getting ready to play Detroit, and the Bears had the easiest remaining schedule for NFC North teams when you just looked at the records, okay? They were in first place. They had the easiest path. Uh, they, they blew out the Lions. I know the final score was a difference of 12 points, but that game – certainly wasn't as close as the final score would indicate when the kicker misses two field goals and two extra points and leaves eight points on the field uh, right there. So, yeah, if the, if the Bears win this, they're going to have a real leg up on the Vikings. If the Vikings come in and win this game, and you're right, the Vikings have had issues at Soldier Field. Uh, while Minnesota's won twice in the last three trips to Chicago, uh, the, the Vikings have won only twice in the last decade at Chicago. So the Bears have done real well at home against Minnesota. And if the Vikings can win this, now you've got a real dogfight. They would be in first half, uh, or first place, excuse me, uh, just barely by virtue of that tie previously with Green Bay. And, and you'd have a real interesting rest of the way, figuring there'd be a pretty good chance that things could come down to what is, again, a Week 17 meeting uh, with the Vikings up there at U.S. Bank Stadium, it seems every year those teams close out the year uh, in Minnesota. How frightened are Bears uh, fans, Brad, that Cody Parkey is eventually going to cost them a game? Because we've seen that here before with kicking problems. And I saw that the kid, as you said, he missed two field goals and two extra points. And I read your story that he remarkably hit an upright on every miss. Yeah. I mean, you could probably send... Uh, the Vikings kicker, any other kicker out there, and say kick until you hit the upright four times, and, the, and they might be out there uh, most of the day trying to accomplish that uh, circus feat. Uh, you know, Parky missed a 53-yarder at Miami uh, last month that would have won the game for him. Now the Bears made a ton of other mistakes in that game, uh, which they ultimately ended up losing to uh, Miami in overtime. But um, yeah, I think Bears fans are uh, concerned about it, but. He's got job security right now because he's got $9 million guaranteed in a contract, another free agent addition that they made uh, back in March. Yeah, Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune, Vikings and Bears, and the Vikings also have prime time against the Packers the very next week, so we'll find out a lot in the next couple weeks. Brad, thanks for your time. See you, Biggsy. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great day. All right, it's you good too. stuff, man. By the way, have you guys ever met anyone in your life that sounds and looks more Chicago than Brad Biggs? Oh, he's pretty close. Yeah, he no, is like that's what I was thinking the, the whole definition time. of Chicago man. Oh, it's yeah, awesome. yeah. He he's a grinder too. He is he's really good. Yeah, he's been he he's been doing that he's beat been on that forever. beat for a long time. Yeah, because he he covered him when I started on uh, the Packer beat in two thousand three for the strip. He was at the Sun Times for a long time. Okay, but he is a he is a grinder. He gets a lot of stories there. Uh, the football hour in the five o'clock includes Rich Gannon and Matthew Collar, and also we're going to wrap with Roycey. 
later on, too. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. All right, here we are. I got some uh, crashes to tell you about, so brace yourselves for this. Uh, 62 eastbound, any Dyna. I've got a crash, uh, the crash between 212 and Gleason Road. Well, the delay is up to about 15 minutes now. So if you're headed eastbound on 62, be on the lookout for that near Edina. Also, 494 eastbound, we've got a crash uh, in Edina. That's between West Bush Lake Road and East Bush Lake Road. 20-minute delay there. And uh, 35W southbound, we got a crash in Richfield, causing a six-minute delay. That's between 82nd and 86th Streets. Gentlemen? We've gotten a lot better with our running game. You know, our, our passing game has been been pretty good all, all year long. But I think the running game has helped solidify the variation in the offense. And then defensively, we've... You know, we've obviously improved in the last five weeks uh, a ton from where we were, playing much better on the back end, not giving up near as many big plays. You know, the run game, we've always been pretty decent against the run. You know, I, I just think overall in some of the key areas that we're, we've improved quite a bit. Why is it, and you have been covering this Vikings team, you've been around it for multiple coaches, the the, the Bears have not been good very often, right? The Bears, they did go to the Super Bowl a little over a decade ago. Yep. They had the 11-5 and season in 2010, which was like Cutler's second year with them. Otherwise, it's a lot of 3-13, and 6-10, and 5-11, and 8-8, 8-8. Eight eight. I mean, they're just mediocre across the board. Yep. And yet, even with how bad and oftentimes on the verge of firing a coach the Bears have been, the Vikings don't win there. I w- Why? I would, if... If I was to put a blanket statement on that question, I would say self-inflicted mistakes. The poster child game to me in Soldier Field for the Vikings since 2000 might be the outstanding 2009 season when they lost to the Bears. I believe, I believe if I am correct, on an overtime touchdown to Devin Aromashadu, who had joined the Vikings a couple of years after that. I remember that game like the back of my hand. Man. And it was it was on the heels of that Carolina Put debacle. a pin in that. Put a pin in that thought for a second. <laughs> it Go, was, keep going, Judd. It was on the heels of that Carolina debacle. But it was just self-inflicted. That Bears team didn't give a damn. They weren't even good. No. And so I would say that the Vikings' biggest problem in Chicago has been, and I don't know if it's too often the Bears haven't been that good, and so the Vikings don't think it's going to be that tough a game or what, but they have shot themselves squarely in the foot far too many times at Soldier Field. Sounds like we have another Manny uh, trivia challenge here on our hands. I was here for this okay. for 2009. Uh, are we talking about the game that was at Soldier Field? End, correct? end of 2009. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to give you the game. Well, I, well, but that, I, that's the that's the game. Yes. All right, Manny. Uh, tell us everything you know about the 2009 Vikings Bears game at Soldier Field. The Vikings, Almost 10 years ago. Yeah. The Vikings at one point, it was a Monday night game. Uh, the Vikings at one point, I believe, were trailing twenty-four to six. Is that uh, right? It was. It was. Uh, it's incorrect. It was twenty-three to six. Twenty-three oh, to six. Man. Okay. <laughs> Come on, losing your fastball. <laughs> <laughs> so then, okay. So then, the final score was twenty-nine twenty-three. Then, no, you're off your game. Really? 
It I'm, was overtime because Judd was wow. right about the touchdown to Aroma Shadu. Yep, kryptonite. And that was right. But they, I remember because I remember watching the game and thinking because Adrian fumbled in overtime that gave the Bears the ball in overtime in the very next play. Because I remember thinking after Peterson fumbled, I remember thinking they're gonna the Bears are gonna take a shot to the end zone here. Adrian and, fumbled. Imagine that, right? Adrian Peterson? Hey, Adrian. Imagine, that's, imagine that, that, right? That's the comeback player of the year you're denigrating right now. <laughs> yes, okay. I am. Name a better candidate for comeback player of the year than Adrian Peterson right now. The final score is 36-30. to 36-30, okay. But it was 23-6 to at one point. <laughs> the Vikings. Well, I remember Favre hit Sidney Rice for the tying touchdown on fourth and it was like fourth and one or fourth and goal or something like that. You get that? You find that one? Uh, it was a Sidney Rice six-yard pass from Brett Favre. Yes. fourth down? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, to tie the game. Must have been to tie the game at 30 then yep. and force overtime. Yeah. Didn't, but I just I just remember Adrian's fumble in overtime and how angry I was. Didn't didn't Antoine Winfield play that game hurt too? And I think, I think so. I think Aroma should do beat, beat him, him really yeah. badly, and he could barely walk. He couldn't run basically. And, and I remember thinking, flew right by him. I swear to God, I remember thinking as soon as Peterson lost that fumble, I thought the Bears are going to take a shot to the end zone. Uh-huh. And sure enough, the very next play, Aroma should do on a deep pass from Cutler in overtime to win it. Yeah, that was the wheels were sort of coming off at the end of the season. There, oh, yeah, they that was had, week what sixteen. It was uh, yeah. It was yes. yeah. December twenty eighth. Yep. Nice yeah. job. Yeah, week sixteen. I, I dropped the Vikings to eleven and four. They wound up yeah. The Vikings because they only had one loss in the first half of the season. Uh, they lost Pittsburgh. at Pittsburgh. Yeah, and their second loss didn't come until December. That was Carolina. But then right? they lost three games in December leading into the playoffs. They lost to Pittsburgh, Carolina, Arizona, and Chicago in the regular season that year. That is correct. Oh, that's right, because they lost. It was uh, like December 5th. They lost at Arizona, and that's the game when when EJ snapped EJ his, his leg, leg. his oh, femur. Yeah. Oh, that was disgusting. Yeah. That's that's one of the worst things I've seen. Yeah, But that, the, was, but that, that, that season right there, yeah. and also uh, 98 was different, but that season right there is such an illustration. Whatever you think the NFL is on, what's the date today? It's the 14th, 14th November, of November. 14th, yep. You got to be, I mean, obviously, okay, we know who the 49ers are right now. They're not going to have a resurgence without Jimmy Garoppolo. And we know that there's six or seven teams that are really good. And we know that Tom Brady is God. Like, there's things that you know. But if you think the Rams are an all-time great team based on what's happened between week one and November 14th, so many things happen in November and December. December and that huge. 2009 Vikings team, yeah. mm-hmm. I think we all wanted to sort of ignore the, oh, well, this is just them kind of being bored in December. But there was a lot of signs that pointed to, ooh, something's going to happen in the playoffs. And that bear, that loss to the Bears in overtime basically cost the Vikings home field advantage in it, the playoffs. Yep. The Saints would have had to come here for the NFC it Championship did, game. It did, but the the most problematic loss of that entire year was Carolina, Carolina. by far and away, because they went into Carolina and, and laid an absolute egg, and that's when Childress tried to lift Favre, because McKinney might have had the worst game I ever saw him, him have. I don't, Peppers destroyed yeah, him. He oh. was a swinging gate, and Childress, but, but where you knew there was problems with Brad and Brett was in the fact that Brad wanted to lift Brett to preserve Brett, and Brett thought he he was being benched, and when that whole thing blew up, you said to yourself, this is not going to end as well as as it potentially should, and it didn't. It came off the tracks because I thought of that loss. And that was, remember Sage told us a few weeks ago the story of when Chili went to them in the the locker room and said, I'm going to 
I'm going to pull Brett and Tavares. You're going to go in. Remember, Tavares told Zage, like, I don't want anything to do with this or something like that. <laughs> and he shouldn't have. Yeah, I he know. He would have got killed, too. So I wasn't at that game at Soldier Field in 2009, but I remember for 1500 ESPN, I was at the one in 2010. That was the first year that 1500 ESPN existed. And so Pelissero and I made the trip. Actually, the Vikings wore purple pants that day. Okay. I'm and such I, a I'm nerd. Pretty Why sure, do I remember that? Pretty sure me and Judd actually went to... Uh, What's that Irish bar downtown well, Chicago? You and I went to Pippins, I feel corner, like. Yeah, by Rush. But but that game, that was in the middle of the season. The Vikings were, like, it was still sort of salvageable. Okay, just going to Chicago and beat a mediocre Bears team. They were 3-5 and five going in. But if you can just win this and get back to 4-5, and five, and then you get a home game coming up, and they played awful football for three hours. Favre did hit Percy on a deep pass for a touchdown that game, though, I remember. But other than that, it was just like it was. It was. Yeah, well, 2010 it was, awful. was a abomination. Yeah. But at that point in the season, you thought, oh, they can still. But if they just this or this, and no, because they no. were coming out the overtime win against Arizona, going into that game against Chicago. Yes, and you thought, okay, they got now they got it back on track, and we'll see what happens. But uh, hey, we have go for football tickets to give away. Let's do it this way. Someone's gonna have to earn it and answer a trivia question. So the first person to answer. This trivia question correctly, and the numbers are 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. How many bowl games have the Gophers won all time? All time in the history of Gopher football. How many bowl games have they won? Going back, as far as you can go back. Now, they haven't played in all that many. This, but was, this was a national championship team at one time. It was, which might be part of the answer. Well, I'm going to tell you guys the answer down the line here. All right. Seven. Hopefully that didn't come across I, the air, but we'll see. Turn my mic back on, so <laughs> it, it might have. That's Six, okay. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Dress warm, by the way. Saturday's going to be a little bit on the chilly side. Apparently that works well for the Gophers. What happened? to Did Purdue just show up and say, all right, we're not going to play. Oh, the in Gophers' this defense weather. played well. Well, it did. The Gophers, to their credit, the defense came out and they tackled and they looked really good. Did we? Because you covered that game, um, I believe, right? No, I went as, as a fan. Okay, I tailgated beforehand, lasted one half and then left. <laughs> but we, I saw the first half, so ask me anything you want. Well, I was going to ask because I watched. Uh, I was watching part of the game from a bar before a wedding reception. If you can imagine how many brown drinks I was in watching that thing. Okay, but I was wondering, like, how can you? Just how can you remove one coordinator and look like this? Giving up 700 yards against Illinois and against a really good Purdue team, they get nothing on you. That's I amazing. I don't know, but it looked like it looked like an entirely different defense. It looked like a defense that actually tackled. They yeah. knew how to tackle. Yeah, imagine that. Uh, we're going to come back with the official football hour. Matthew Collar, Rich Gannon, it's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there on 1500. ESPN.